B, thank you so much for hopping on and taking a minute to talk to us here. Uh, you're in your car, so I'm assuming you're like, what, yes. between training sessions or? Oh. I'm here with my boyfriend. <laughs> he is on camera. He's playing Euchre. We are actually on our way to Mac. So we're on our way uh, to uh, our Mid-Atlantic CrossFit Challenge this weekend, uh, Knoxville, Tennessee. So we're super excited. So we, I got some training in not too long ago, so <laughs> had to get some in. But we're awesome. on the road. You're you're poised to compete. You're like in ready to compete compete this weekend at, at Mac. It's like the mm -hmm. first weekend of semifinals. It maybe kind of feels a little bit like regionals again. Uh, mm -hmm. And you know you're you're coming in pretty strong. I, I mean, you finished <laughs> what like sixth North America in uh, in the quarterfinals. So you had a pretty strong showing qualifying for it. How are you feeling? Oh my gosh! Well, quarterfinals went. I was super like. I, I guess I was, I was very, like, when the events came out, I was so excited. I was so, I just felt ready. Like I felt like training up leading up to that point. Um, Scott Panchik is my training partner and um, just training with him is always pushing my limits and always has forever pushed me these last several years. But um, especially this year, I think there was more fire and more confidence and just more grittiness coming from me this year. And just, quarterfinal events went, you know, I was very happy with that. I was um, not satisfied, but it definitely was like one of my best finishes and it just kind of continued to light the fire even more. Um, and got me even more built my confidence even more that I, I, I deserve to be back and I, um, I'm coming in hot and giving it my all continuing the season. Yeah. You, you kind of fly under the radar a little bit, mm -hmm. which I mean, I don't know. I don't know what that is, uh, what you can attribute that to, but you know, you competed <laughs> in person at the 2019 games, 24th, I think was your finish. So mm -hmm. that's nothing to shrug at. And you qualified for the 2020 games before the world was flipped upside down with COVID. <laughs> so like technically you didn't have your second year, but you did qualify mm -hmm. for your second year. What do you think it is that, yeah. Like, do you think it's a, do you think it's a positive for you and your mentality and your competition to be able to like fly under the radar or are you really just like ready to have that target on your back when you show up to competitions? I think, I guess I don't know if it's like, if I would consider it as a positive or negative flying under the radar. I, I don't mind like being the dark horse or just like people maybe not know who I am and just let kind of my performances speak for themselves. I'm really not one to, you know, just be posting all the things all the time, but I think something recently, I think the things that have changed is, is I think what makes household names, household names is continuing to compete at that level. So you see names like Tia and Brooke Wells and Amanda Barnhart coming up at the back um, and having continuing the opportunities to be right there with them and be chasing them down and wanting the same things and chasing the same things and being right there with them. And, you know, my goal is to outperform all of them and beat them as well. And I think like, you know, once you get to that level in performances, once you're right up with girls like that, um, that's what continues to kind of you know, maybe create, start to create a name versus, you know, my rookie year, which was just anyone's first year. Um, you really don't know who they are until you start to see them on the leaderboard and you start to see them stack up against the bigger names in the game. So I love having the opportunity to 
be chasing the best in the world. And I wouldn't want to be competing at any other semifinal. I want to always be competing at the hardest semifinal in the hardest field. And it just so happens to be the one that is this weekend. So I'm pumped. Yeah, it really is this weekend. I mean, the the mm-hmm. names that are showing up to compete are the who's who of both like the current crop of the best CrossFitters and also the next upcoming crop of the best CrossFitters. It's very, very exciting to see. I mean, even looking at the, the ladies that you mentioned there, T and Amanda, I mean, you competed against them last year at the mm-hmm. uh, the Mayhem Classic. It, was it really last year? Was it? I think yeah, it, it, it must have was been at, January. Yeah, yeah twenty twenty. Uh, January of twenty twenty feels like three right? years ago. Uh, so you, compete, ago. you competed against them head to head, and so this is almost mm-hmm. like you're getting another shot at these same heavy hitters. And you know, there has yeah. to be a sense, especially training with Scott and his like veteran, super competitive mindset. Mm-hmm. There has to be a sense of kind of like you know, their pictures are on the bathroom mirror and you're like <laughs> looking at them while you're brushing your teeth. Like, is, is there is there a feeling of like, I'm coming for you, we're going to do this and I'm going to get mine? <laughs> you know what? It's funny that it's like, it's funny that you say that because Scott and I are extremely, I guess we're very competitive um, people. He's, you. I mean, you get, you guys know him as a competitor. He's just very gritty. And when he competes, he wants to rip heads off just about and that is starting to brush up on me now and like I'm starting to like get into that very gritty like mindset where I guess my first year in 2019 or even the first years competing so I've been competing actually technically since 2017 on team regionals and then my individual I really I wasn't a gritty competitor I I guess didn't have a lot of confidence. Um, So now just through the years, kind of building that confidence just through training and experiences and experiencing the good, the bad, the ugly, all the things that come in sport. um, This is the year where now it's just like, I I really don't focus a lot on what the other girls are doing. Um, I'm just focused in on what my job is when I compete. And when I compete, my job is to beat girls and like to beat them all. Like, and it has nothing to do with, you know, Tia is the fittest woman in the world these last years. And my job is to still chase her down and just like anyone else. And that doesn't change. In a way, it's almost like you're grateful to get the opportunity to, you know, kind of sharpen your game against Mm. athletes of that caliber. Because if you're competing and you're just kind of wiping the floor with everybody you're going up against, it's really hard to tell exactly how you stack against the best of the best. And then, you know, now you're actually competing against the best of the best to, to get your spot okay. into the game. So you kind of have to, you have to be at top of your game and you have to be able to learn from those performances. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, like, no matter what, I think the reason that um, Scott is one of, one of the best training partners you know, in the world, in my, obviously in my, in my unbiased opinion, right. But it's, it's because you get to be pushed by someone that continues to elevate you in all the sense in every sense of the way. And so when, when, when we compete against girls, you know, top of the girl, top girls in the game, you know, you're, you're pushing limits that maybe you don't get to do and explore in training. And that only makes you a stronger competitor. So if I can't beat the best in the world at semis, then you know, shot at the games. If you can't compete the best in the world in semis, then what do you, what do you think you're going to do at the games? I don't deserve to go to the games if I can't beat them now. So that's kind of the way I see it. But 
I think I perform my best under pressure. I think I perform my best when I'm only competing with the best. The, the 2020 season, let's talk about that real quick, because it was really mm-hmm. strange for a lot of reasons, lots of different ups and downs, but it had a particularly uh, roller coaster esque journey for you who went from qualifying, earning your spot against the best of the best to your second year at the CrossFit games to having that taken away from you. And then the season gets like elongated and then it's, it's all online, which is like, you could have competed. <laughs> like there's no reason yeah. if, if it being online, there's no reason you couldn't compete. So what, what was that? What was that experience like? Ah, uh, well, it was at first it was, I'll tell you what, like it was heartbreaking because that was like, you work. So, I mean, being to, being having the opportunity to compete at the games is such an honor just once right and the next year is never promised or any of the years you know that you get to go back the athletes that continue to go back and to continue show up is is just so impressive so to to have been able to do that a second year in a row was just you know just another opportunity that I I didn't and wouldn't want to slip away and it's something that you just the games my rookie year ended um and I came back like ready to go. Like we're right back to the drawing board once again. So it's like that full year of preparation and to have earned that, like to have earned that fair and square by the rules um, and to have that taken away was just heartbreaking. I mean, I cried, I was upset just like anyone else. Everyone else got their bids taken away, the people that have earned it at that point. And, um, but there's, you can only be mad and upset for so long over something that you can't control, right? And it was, at the time it was an unfortunate experience, but there were other people experiencing that and you had the decision to make the most of it. So it kind of allowed, it kind of forced us to take a step back and slow things down and maybe spend more time on things that needed to be spent more time on and strengthen areas and strengthen those holes and try to close those gaps um, without actually focusing on competing, competing, competing. So honestly, I think it was to my benefit. I think it was to a lot of people's benefit. And I think it just made everyone even hungrier to compete and to just grind and get better. And it was funny because after that, it was like, we, I got my individual bid at uh, Mayhem and then that got taken away. And then Rich Froning was going to put on an event. And so we were like, oh, okay, we got something going on. And I was like talking to some teammates and we got a team together, qualified, and then that got canceled. So it was, you're right. It was like this roller coaster of just like, oh, we got it. Okay. Then we don't, oh, we could compete again. And then we won't. And so, yeah. Yeah. I, I one wild. of the most common, one of the most common trends that I see in terms of mindset between a lot of the competitors that were able to, to, you know, successfully transition out of the, just like the craziness of 2020 is this idea that it was an opportunity to work Mm -hmm. on certain things or improve in some ways. Um, Because, you know, like you just don't get the, the, the upside of having your season essentially taken away is that you have a much longer ramp into the following season. So you can kind of heal up, you can work on Mm -hmm. building a bigger base, you can work on this little skill that you need to perfect or this little transition or whatever it ends up looking like. And I think that's a really common way among like the very top competitors to sort of use their time wisely. But I, I also imagine that there's just like that, like foot stomping, like screaming to the sky moment and just (laughs) why? Exactly. No. And it's true. It's like, 
And I mean, that's, that's kind of the mindset that if you want to continue to take those steps forward, like seeing, and it's the best way to, I think, look at a situation is seeing anything negative and anything that doesn't happen the way that you wanted it to, um, seeing it as an opportunity to grow an opportunity to learn and an opportunity to maybe redirect and pivot. And that isn't always necessarily a bad thing. And if anything, it could be the best thing that you probably needed a little, you know, silver lining and disguise there. And, um, and that's what we did, but in the same breath, like, it just felt like train. It's like you train for so long. Like it's one thing to train and train and then you get tested and you train again, you train again, and then you test and compete. And it just felt like training. It just felt like we were just training hard for a year. <laughs> like, yeah. and like, there was nothing to show for it is what it kind of felt like. Um, the only thing I really competed in was rogue invitational second year. Um, and that again was online. Um, cool event. Super yeah, cool. Yeah, so you're just like, you're really... standing in your box. You're just like, you tape off your box and you stand there all day long <laughs> for two days in a row, three days in a row, whatever it was. Yeah. It yeah. was, it was wild because it was also like, imagine like we all like go to train and the m- music's bumping and you're hyping your- yourself up. You got your training partners, like just dead silence. And it's just you competing. And the only thing that's running through your head is like, there's someone I'm chasing or there's someone ahead of me. And I'm just, and you're just like playing this game this entire time through these live events. It was wild. And that was the only thing that I got to compete in this year. Did you try out the, the games events when they announced those, like that stage one, like that set of seven events or whatever it was? Uh, did you, yeah. did, did you end up trying to put like a mock version of the games together for yourself? Yes. It wasn't like the perfect mock version. Like if anything, like um, the way that, you know, everything was set up, but I did do all the events in order and at least stage one. So that was really cool to like test out. I didn't see like actually where I would stack up. Um, I didn't get it to that point, but it was cool to just be like, let's just like put some things to the test here. And it was cool to have like, say like there was, um, I think, I think it was five rounds, 500 meter, 500 meter run and some overhead spots and burpees like where Mm -hmm. some people Mm -hmm. had like to run around like the track or specific. So I kind of just like, whatever 500 meters ended up being, it wasn't like anywhere like a track. Um, so like certain events like that, it didn't have the same transitions. So little things that obviously make a huge difference when it comes to events. But yeah, I, I had to get in on those events. <laughs> is there, like, is there still, yeah, of course. I mean, you're at home, you have all the yeah, made right? to be done at a gym or at your home gym. Like, of course you would, mm-hmm. you would do it. Uh, is there, is there a sense of like pride or confidence or something like that that comes from the fact that your very first CrossFit Games event that you competed in, you mm-hmm. took fifth overall in one of the hardest events oh. that they've ever done at the Games? Like, is there something about, because like that first cut event was a mm. kick to the gut for basically every single athlete that showed up. Like no one, I think, was able to perform the way they expected to perform on that event. Mm-hmm. And you showed up as a rookie and were able to take like a top five. And now, I mean, we're reaching way back to like the 2019 games here, but there's yeah. gotta be some sort of like a sense of, all right, I definitely belong here just mm-hmm. based off of that one performance. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that was kind of one of, the, I mean, I gotta be honest, like my confidence in 2019 was not this, like, I'm not, it's funny to like hear certain things being said about, you know, predictions about me this year, because the only thing that people really know is who I was in 2019, really, for the most part. And I, I fully believe I'm a whole different person mentally now than 2019, because I, I will say like for that first event that w- was announced, 
we, I mean, I train so much legless rope climbs. Like I, like legless rope climbs is something that I train and have to work so hard at. And I think that's become a movement that I'm, I'm very confident in and I'm able to perform on those legless rope climbs, like in that event, um, and really show up. And, but it just gave me the biggest confidence boost. And it was kind of like that spark that I needed that I was like, like, I belong here. Like I could do this. Like I, I, not only can I keep up, but I could show up and like, you know, have, you know, give some girls a run for their money, at least in this event. And it was cool because it was something that was worrying to me. Like, this is the first cut. This is my rookie season. What if I see something that maybe I'm not prepared for? And it was exactly the confidence that I needed starting the weekend. So how are you feeling going into this weekend? I mean, you've got, like we said mm. at the beginning, we, you got a stacked field, but you've also had a long season, off season to train up. The uh, open and quarterfinals both went really well for you. You know, uh, knocking on wood, like the games are, are right around the corner and, and mm. you're poised for like a third showing that's going to be even better than before. You know, like how are you feeling with this competition uh, and being back on the floor in front of people to compete again, you know? I'm feeling so excited. Like I like, like the butterflies never go away. It's like the good nerves, the good butterflies, just like you're, we, Scott, Scott kind of says like, we feel like animals in a cage. We just want to like be let out and like, just go. And I feel I'm, I'm coming into this weekend thinking like I've, I've given my best, like I've given my best in training. Like there've been days where I'm like, is there more that I could do? Like, and I'm, and there always is like, there's always more, but if I'm able to walk into the weekend and say like, I am walking in like my best, there's nothing that I haven't drilled and trained and, and really like focused in on, like we've been focusing a lot on our conditioning and endurance and gymnastics volume and just volume, volume and intervals. And I just feel there's nothing that I'm not ready for. And I think that's the best feeling an athlete could have is the test that you're about to get into, um, you feel ready. And the only times I've ever, the times that I've been nervous, like really, really nervous is because I feel like, Oh, I should have done more running or I should have done this. Like, I don't feel that for this weekend. And I'm just like, whatever happens, happens, whatever is out of my control is out of my control. And the only thing I'm focusing on is just trusting my training, trusting my mind and what I'm able to do and just give it and just go. Now, correct me if I'm wrong here, but you started doing CrossFit with Scott at CrossFit Mentality. Is that right? I actually started doing CrossFit, not at CrossFit Mentality, actually in a, a gym called in, in Cleveland, Ohio. I'm from Cleveland, uh, Crooked River CrossFit. And I was there for a year and I kind of was just like dabbling into the CrossFit space um, as a 19 year old girl, just that literally just needed to get healthy. <laughs> I was just, I was just overweight. I, I've like went through a roller coaster ride of, you know, emotions and good group, friend groups, bad friend groups, not surrounded by the best people not the healthiest person. Um, and I just needed to be healthy. That's honestly why I started CrossFit <laughs> and no part of me was like, I want to be competitive and I want to be a professional athlete. Like none of zero never did never started CrossFit to be a CrossFit Games athlete but it eventually led me to that and as soon as I realized the other side of CrossFit there's the CrossFit fitness lifestyle health um, life for you and then there's the competitive side and as soon as I start to realize oh wow like you could 
turn this into a sport and compete and compete against other women and girls. And I was like, I'm going to Scotch German. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And especially and, once you surround yourself yeah. with guys like, cause at that point, uh, Saxon and Spencer were still at mentality. Right. So you're mm-hmm. kind of getting like the full packed panchic dosage of just all three of them going head to head to head constantly. Yeah. And you know, what's funny. It's like, at first I, I realized that was opening up a gym. And so I was like, well, I'll go because why wouldn't you go to one of the best in the sport? And I realized that that gym isn't a competitive, like nothing about what I thought the gym would be was where I didn't walk into an only competitive gym. Honestly, it was nothing like a competitive gym, which made the CrossFit community and the CrossFit experience still so fun. And I think that's what gives people longevity in the sport. And just in CrossFit in general is that you actually enjoy what you're doing, right? You don't burn out. You don't feel like you're walking and competing every single day. And there's, that is what's special. And that's what kept me coming back. And that eventually led me to setting small competitive goals um, in a very healthy way. And then that led to local competitions, led to qualifying in the open and then in the open to regionals and to regionals, indie and then indie games. And it was very, very small things and small milestones achieved, but it's the community and the gym and the leadership and the mentorship that gave me longevity and just excitement uh, to continue. Yeah, I, I was lucky enough in 2016 to be around for one of the open workouts at Mentality. I think it was the one that was like the toes really? to bar and like the dumbbell power cleans and like the lunging. I think yeah. that's what workout it was. And I remember, you know, because I was there, uh, I was in Columbus for uh, the Arnold. I was at the Arnold. So I was at the Arnold mm-hmm. and I called Scott and I was like, Hey man, like the workout just got released. When are you guys going to do it? Like I'll drive over, I'll take a look and we'll hang out for a little bit. And I just remember how cool it was. I came in like early in the day, he and the Spencer and Saxon were like <laughs> drawing straws to figure out who was going to go first. And then they like oh set it up God. for themselves. And then once they had finished and they did it on their own without like the crowds, without like the Friday night lights thing. And then they set up the entire gym, almost like they separated their competitive side from like their coaching Mm -hmm. side. And I thought that was such a great way of doing things because it puts the highlight on the members and on the gym of their participation, as opposed to like a look at me doing the open type thing. And that was just a really cool experience. So I can see what you're saying in terms of that vibe to like walk into that. Yeah, no. And that's like, that's the thing. I think people hear the name, you know, has been, you know, a a long, it's a household name in the sport and they think, oh, this is a competitive gym. This is an elite gym and it is nothing. You actually, the majority of our members are moms and dads and uncles and grandparents. We have like a couple that comes in three times a week. They're like almost in their eighties and they come in religiously and we have teenagers, like 12, 13, 14 year olds. I mean, we have everyone there and the only people and we very few people in there compete at a professional level um but it is all about just a good just authentic community that just wants to be healthy and just they just want to work hard like people they just want to work hard and high five each other and give sweaty hugs and like I love that and that's really what it's all about and that that's what makes training that much more enjoyable is because you have that support from people that just want the best for you so the, the last thing, I, and I don't want to take up too much time here. So the last thing I want to actually ask you about has nothing to do with CrossFit. I'm curious mm-hmm. about your name. 
Ah. So tell me what the, like, tell me the cultural background of your, your full name. And I don't want to, I, I don't want to mess it up. I know Fee Sagafi, but I know <laughs> it's short for something, but tell me the, yes. tell me the background here. I appreciate that. No one has ever asked me or been so curious. So Firuze Sagafi is my full name. It's short for me. Um, it's Iranian. I'm Persian. I'm half I Persian. It. I knew uh-huh. it. Okay, so my parents, I'm Armenian, but my parents were born in Iran. Mm. So we're Persian Armenian. Really? And so like I that's saw Fee Sagafi and I was like, that's Farsi. Like a hundred percent. Yes, yes. A hundred percent she's Iranian. So you're half Iranian and half what? Mexican. Oh, great. Well, there you go. That's, yes. like, that's like the perfect American exotic, like like it's, cultural melding. It literally haven't have except my name is complete is a hundred percent Persian, but I don't speak Farsi. Um, but I um my first um first language is Spanish. So my first uh my mom is Mexican from Guadalajara and uh, my dad he also speaks Spanish actually because he uh was in met my mom in Mexico and that's how that whole thing happened. And um uh, yeah, so a little bit of both worlds right there. Fantastic. What an international love story. That's so cool. That is super cool. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that I asked you about that because it was going to be on the back of my mind. I was like, I'm, I'm really confident it's Farsi. But I'm glad that we got the confirmation. That's awesome. I appreciate it. I remember like my first time competing at regionals. Um, someone came in the back and they're like, hey, like things that they were trying to pronounce my name they're like is there anything is something shorter that I could pronounce so I never forget it and <laughs> and I was like just call me fee and then ever since then it's always been fee and it's forever fee to everyone and that's my go-to but anyone that enjoys spending a little bit more time with the length of my name I always appreciate well, it actually you. means turquoise too I was I was gonna ask you what does it mean because there's always turquoise there's- there's always the meanings. Okay, that's like great. Like the, so, the stone, the rock. Yeah, that's fantastic. Piruza mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> Sagafi, thank you very much uh-huh. for your time. Uh, thank uh, you. I really appreciate it. Uh, good luck appreciate this weekend it. at the MAC. And uh, hopefully we'll see you, you know, punching your ticket back to Madison and competing against the big girls. Thank you so much. I'm excited. I appreciate your time and I can't wait.